girl. Welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast is all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, buckle up. Today's episode is so fun and juicy. I think you're going to love it. We have on the show Dr. Christy. She is a psychologist and a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she actually started this whole venture, which is now a matchmaking company, and her being this well-renowned love doctor who's been featured all over the place, like ABC and NBC and the Wall Street Journal and Cosmo. She started at eHarmony as a matchmaker who was looking into compatibility data. So she is such a wealth of knowledge. You're going to love this conversation. We talk about a whole spectrum of topics related to marriage, dating, communication styles, building a fulfilling life, but also the impact that your different personality types you know, have in relationships. And we also talk into the importance of balancing your ambition and your contentment and strategies for navigating conflict or rebuilding relationships, dealing with resentment. It's so freaking juicy, whether you are currently in a relationship or marriage, or you're just wanting to prepare yourself to have a really fulfilling one in the future. This episode is going to be your jam. As always, if you love this episode, please tag us on Instagram. Let us know your takeaways and let's get into the juice. I can't wait to hear what you think. Let's go. Christy, girl, I am so freaking pumped to have you on the show. Like The women in this community are going to vibe so hard with you. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Keisha. I can't wait. So, oh gosh. Okay. We have so many things that we're going to talk about in terms of like marriage and dating and communication and relationships and divorce and just like building a life that you're obsessed with. So first, can you kind of like give them a high level overview of what you do in your day-to-day life now and like maybe just some cliff notes of how you got here? Totally. So I have always been what I call like a love nerd. From an early age, I was so fascinated. How did people meet? My parents kind of met through like a community matchmaker, I'll say, like culturally. I'm Armenian in our background, so like kind of focused on family and love yeah. and marriage and all of those things. So I just kind of pursued that lane and studied psychology, marriage and family therapy, um, and really learned how relationships have impacted like my own personal identity and how they really can form like who you are and what you want to be in the world. And so it just so clicked with me to learn about marriage and family therapy, how the family affects like who you are. So I went into that field, became a marriage and family therapist, worked with a lot of couples kind of in the therapy room when they were already struggling and felt this idea and calling of like, I'd love to help people before they get to this point and really yeah. like match. Uh, so that's when I started working at eHarmony. It's kind of where my journey in dating and relationships began. I did research on compatibility there and became a professional matchmaker there. So I was basically helping people kind of date for them while I also went through my parallel process as a single woman. Like, okay, how do I kind of navigate modern dating with that kind of hope and goal of like marriage, happily ever after, all of that. So that kind of led my journey to starting our company. Uh, we provide coaching, matchmaking, therapy 
for mostly single, successful women that feel like they have so many things in their life, kind of living that dream life, but this one area seems to be missing and they can't figure out like, how do I translate that? So I've just kind of combined my background personally, professionally to really serve um, women. We do work with men now as well, but just really serve them in like getting this area of your life together and just feeling like, you know, you can have it all. I think there's that misconception that like, if your career is great, your relationships are going to suffer or vice versa. And just helping people believe that like, you can create that life and relationship you desire. Oh, this is so good. And I told you that, you know, one of my visions for my personal life was I wanted to be like Patty the Millionaire Matchmaker. And now I'm like with the real life Christy <laughs> actual matchmaking. So I'm glad that you decided to start this business and help so many people in this space. And, you know, one thing I do want to talk about that's a really common issue before we get into like the dating side of things, a common issue for women that listen into this podcast is one of them is like in their their marriage or in their partnership or whatever. One is an entrepreneur and very ambitious go-getter. And maybe one is comfortable in say like a nine to five job. And I don't think that there are, like, I also think it's even just like some is more career focused of wanting to grow in their career. And the other partner is more complacent or just like, okay, with kind of like going through the motions. Mm-hmm. How does that affect relationship dynamics? Like I want to talk about that. So get into that juice, girl. <laughs> yeah. I talk about this all the time. I think it's one of these like overlooked areas of compatibility, which are so important to pay attention to. So it's basically two different types of personality types. One person's the maximizer. They were like, you know what? I'm going to get to the front row of the concert. I'm going to get the top level of this, you know, promotion. They just want to kind of maximize the situation to the nth degree. And then there's a satisficer. And that's the person that's just like happy. They're kind of like content, just like where they are, you know, whatever that is. And I think the misconception is that one person's better than the other or one way of being is better than the other. But really relationships that thrive have aspects of both. It's great to be a maximizer, but some situations like you just want to be content. You don't always want to feel that discomfort of like this ambitious woman striving more and more and more. You want to feel like, you know what, I'm good where I'm at. So sometimes women that are in that balance or feel like they're the maximizer, they're the driver, they're kind of in there, what we are commonly now referring to as the masculine energy, feel like they're kind of either not attracted to, or it's like a turnoff when a guy is like a satisficer. But the way that I see it and tell women, especially that I work with, is like, if you're the star, you really need a rock to kind of ground you and be that safe space for you. You Mm -hmm. think that you want a star to kind of match that energy, but if there's two stars in the same place, it usually doesn't work well. Look at Hollywood. So it really is good to have that balance, that yin and yang. And so seeing the value in someone that you know, maybe it's just that steady nine to five person and you're the entrepreneur that gets to be creative and like, you know, shine in that way. That could actually be a good balance, but it's really about rewriting that narrative. Ooh. Okay. That's so good. It's so interesting because before I met my now husband, I remember envisioning, like I'm the person, I'm very extroverted mm-hmm. and like I'm the first person on the dance floor and I'm like, oh, there's karaoke. Like, give me the mic. Like, I want to do that. Right. Yeah. And I picture that I was going to be with someone, even personality wise, that was going to be similar to me. Like mm-hmm. that would make sense. But when I think about it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be <laughs> such a combustion. Like it would be constantly mm-hmm. like competing for attention almost. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that we envision it that way. So like, what what happens 
I would love to hear like, what's the dynamic like if there's two satisfiers or there's two maximizers in a relationship? Because I feel like even thinking about this, my husband and I are both kind of maximizers in some way, but he's a little Mm -hmm. bit different temperament. Like, can Mm -hmm. we dig into that a little? Totally. I think it's good to have some balance, but really what research shows us is that although opposites attract, it's people that are more similar that often kind of stay together. So the good thing is that if you can recognize elements of someone being a maximizer and a satisficer, and you can see that in yourself as well, that is really going to lead to more connection and compatibility in your relationship. So like Mm -hmm. you said, it's like, I see my husband and he's a maximizer in these ways. And I kind of don't feel like that in those ways, I feel a little bit more like, oh yeah, we can just kind of um, be content or be more of a satisfizer. That's a good balance to have, but you do see that similarity as well. I think sometimes the, um, the rub happens when one person is kind of driving one area, like finances, business, et cetera. And then the other person doesn't have that same value system to kind of create that space in the relationship. That's sometimes where the conflict happens. But you do want to look for a lot of similarities in a potential partner, especially when it comes to values, your vision for the future. All of those things are so important. And so sometimes, especially to single women, I tell them like, even if you feel that opposite pull, It's actually those similar values and traits that often keep us together. So it's like recognizing the maximizer and satisfizer in yourself and your partner can help in those areas of conflict. Mm. So, okay. What about when I have so many things I want to ask? (laughs) Okay. So what about when someone is kind of in that like, like rocket ship in their career or in their business and the other person isn't like, how does that conflict happen? And what do we do to resolve that? Cause I feel like that's actually a really common problem for a lot of women in this community that like, maybe they started a business that it was on the side and all of a sudden that business is really taking off or they got that one promotion and now their career is exploding up and their significant other isn't in that place. Like how do we do that if they're already in a relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something I work a lot with um, with couples that are entrepreneurs or the women's yeah. kind of more of the successful person in this stage. It's really about communicating and creating kind of this culture of appreciation. And a, a huge way to do that is understanding your partner's language of connection or love language and making sure that even if it feels like it's mismatched in some way, shape, or form in this season of your life, that that doesn't mean that your partner feels that disconnection or shame or feeling like they're not enough for you in that yeah. way because they do bring so much to the dynamic. There is so much to appreciate. Um, it's not a competition. And um, in a lot of my work as a therapist, um, a lot of what I work with and help people work with is their subconscious. And sometimes in a marriage or relationship, we often think of them as like, oh, you know, I attracted a version of my father or these are my mommy issues playing out. But actually what sometimes happens is you're kind of playing out like a sibling relationship. And that looks like a sibling rivalry often in marriage. So it's like, if you're doing better at work, what triggers your spouse might be like, oh, that feels like when my sibling was doing better, my parents got that approval. So now I'm going to compete with them. And all of a sudden we have like a marriage that feels like it's like a competition. So you have to kind of identify if that's something that's kind of an old story for you, which is pretty deep, but you know, talk to your therapist. But it is really important to pay attention to because you might not even notice like, oh, now I'm competing with my spouse, but really we're on the same team. Like how can I make this a win-win 
win relationship. A win for me in the workplace means like this is a win for us together. Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side of it, it's like if the person will say like the woman listening into this podcast right now, like if she is in that like growth career wise or business wise, like what are some ways that she can actually communicate, like wanting to make sure that that other person feels appreciated, but also that she feels like she's getting the support that she needs if she, cause you know, like when you're growing, like, you know, like even with your own business, like during those like times where you're like, it's growing, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I can handle this. And if she feels like she's walking on eggshells with that person, which is, I, I actually just got a DM about this this morning, which is why I'm giving a specific <laughs> example. Um, but like, how do they actually communicate better to support each other? I think one of the most important roles of communication is approaching the situation with a curious mindset. So when you talk to your partner, make that space for your spouse when you're in that busy season is to just kind of listen and be curious, like what their experience is like, like, you know, even something so simple as, Hey, I know I've been like in a launch and it's been so stressful and I might've not had so much time to connect. I'm just wondering how that's felt for you or, you know, whatever that is just kind of these like little touch points turning towards each other can make such a huge difference because that communicates to your spouse like, wow, she actually noticed like she still sees me. I don't feel like that little kid in the corner that my dad that worked too much forgot about like, because that's usually what kind of people act out of. But if you can kind of turn towards and make that time for even a little connection, that can mean so much. And then you can invite your spouse or partner into how they can support you. And that comes from communicating your desires rather than complaining about what's not happening. So, oh my goodness, I'm in this busy season and you can't even, you know, take the trash out when you see like I'm, you know, making a million dollars on a launch. That's a complaint that is probably very triggering. But it's like, oh my goodness, babe, your support is so helpful for me here. Like when you did X, Y, and Z, that just made me feel like I could take a deep breath and really shine. And that support just means the world to me. I've dreamed of that my whole life as a kid, you know, like whatever, like how yeah. How like of course they're going to take out the trash the next time, right? <laughs> right? So you really have to pay attention to that communication and connection. Mm, that's so good. Okay, so what about like when a conflict has happened and they're like for anyone listening into this that feels like their marriage or their relationship is like really like hanging on by a thread? I'm sure you get a lot of clients that come to you kind of at that point mm-hmm. in their marriage. Like, what's the first place to start that you would have them explore or even like questions to ask themselves? Usually when couples are kind of at that breaking point place, there's already a cycle that's been ingrained. There's something in their dynamic that we play the same role over and over again, and it's kind of led to toxicity in a place that we're completely disconnected. So what we want to really uncover is what is the healthy cycle? So usually when that client comes in, I ask them, what made you fall in love with your partner? Instead of kind of focusing on the problem, I totally shift. I'm like, when were things good and what was happening? Usually in there we can uncover, actually they do have a dynamic that's really healthy. They've just lost it along the way with for a million different reasons. So let's get back to what's working and why and start redoing that cycle so that you can actually you know, build, rebuild your relationship to a place where you can thrive and actually see and love each other. Oh, I mean, this is like so many. Ne- I can just picture like the woman listening into this is driving down the freeway that's like trying to jot down the notes. Like, oh, it's so good. Okay, so another like, question around like resentment in general. 
Like, I feel like that pattern can like just crush relationships. How have you noticed that comes up? How can we catch it before it becomes like a huge issue Mm -hmm. in our relationships? Like, can you walk through like some examples maybe that you've run into with clients you've worked with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Resentment is just one of those things that can truly eat away a potentially healthy relationship dynamic. And one of the things that I see, especially for women that have that built up resentment, and I saw a divorce lawyer on TikTok actually talking about how the number one reason women are filing for divorce now is because they feel like they just are taking on the entire load of everything. Now we're the breadwinners or we're making income and we still have all the load of parenthood and you know the house and all of these things. And it just feels like I'm in this alone, so I might as well just be in it alone is almost yeah. that guy that um, we buy into often. But really what is taking place when there's resentment is that there's a need that you feel and either somewhere along the way you felt like you're not worthy to have your need met um, or that someone's not capable of filling that need. So you've either taken on yourself or tried to get that met somewhere else. And then what happens is that builds up against your partner as like resentment, like, oh, they aren't giving me what I need. But really somewhere along the way, you weren't communicating that. Maybe you'd gotten shut down multiple times before. So you felt like, oh, I can't go to my partner with this. But it's really about coming, being very clear about where that's coming from. Have you felt that in other relationships and getting really good at communication? That's, you know, it seems simple in relationships, but that's so important because if you're not communicating what you need and we are expecting our partner to kind of read our minds, then that's really a recipe for disaster in a relationship. So get really clear, like, where else am I feeling resentment? You know, if you're an entrepreneur, like you might feel that way about your team, like, oh, you know, I have to do everything and (laughs) you're starting to feel resentful and it's kind of passive but it can really eat away at the relationship. So that direct communication is so important of like, hey, and again, like I mentioned, speaking from a place of desire, like you're so good at doing this thing. Like I'd love if you're able to help me with this rather than after you didn't ask for help, getting mad that they didn't do that thing. Like, oh, you never do this. You always do this. Like that's the language of resentment. We really have to give people an opportunity to show us that they can show up for us. Oh, that that's it too. Like the giving them an opportunity. It's funny because I, for whatever reason, I was just thinking as you were talking about that movie, The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston, and oh, yeah. Son, where <laughs> she was like, I want you to want to do the dishes. And he's like, what the F? And like, you know, there's so many things in that movie, but it's like, it's just, it's like, we're often thinking that our significant other is going to read our minds. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been in a 15 year relationship. So there's so many times where I'm like, wait, how did you not know that I want you to do that? Like, Ooh, okay, crap. I probably mm-hmm. should have told you. And then you would have just done it. So yeah. on that, like for, to talk about like women and men real quick, and then I want to talk about dating for sure. Um, how do you see like the pat, like, what are the patterns where like, like, cause I notice that I can have a bunch of tabs open and I'm noticing everything around me at all given point in time. But my husband, he'll do something and he's so focused. And I've blamed this on like ADHD before, but I think this is just like women in general. When I to my girlfriends, they say this too, but my husband is so focused on the thing in front of him. He's just doing that one thing. I'm like, how did you not notice all the rest of what's going on around you? Is that just a common thing in relationships or can you give us your take on that? Yeah. So what I often tell women is that when we um, are really thinking we're multitasking, we're not really multitasking. (laughs) And what's happening, there's been actual research about 
the mother load and how much women, even if you don't have kids yet, just like how much um, the responsibilities of the household. And also on top of that, whatever work, um, you know, you yeah. bring into that, how much space they actually take up in your brain. Um, I personally feel like there's also an aspect of like approval that women are still trying to kind of, we're, we still try to prove ourselves, obviously in the workplace historically, mm. but then also we want to be, you know, an amazing homemaker and we want to make all the money and we want to be, you know, amazing with our partner partner in bed and this and that. It's just like consistently forcing women to feel like we need to do it all, be it all and look like, you know, the, the magazines. And so this creates like a lot of noise in our heads where men, yes. I think it's a, the message from childhood is very clear. I think for men of like, there's no question of like, should you stay at home or should you work or should you do this or that? It's very like, this is what you do. Like, and there's no, we don't really have to question that. Um, and so I think that it's so important to pay attention to that narrative, whatever's going on in your head. And I really recommend literally offloading everything. So for you, that's like writing it down, doing like pages in the morning, if it's talking to someone, like I know I'm a verbal processor, so it helps me to just like talk or Voxer or whatever with somebody, just kind of like remove as much of the load and actually recognize how much is going on in there to help you clear up that space for yourself. Cause it's so easy for women, for moms to get lost in that and then feel like we wake up and we're like, wait, who am I? Where am I? It's like, all of those thoughts really cloud that true like connection and alignment to like our core. Oh my gosh. That is so helpful to think about. Like, it's like, of course you have all these tabs up when you're bringing like close some of the freaking tabs by getting them out, like verbally just vomit them somewhere (laughs) or like write them all down, vomit them. It's so good. Okay. So one thing that I think is really cool too, Christy, is like, you've been doing this work, but then you were single at the time that you started doing this work. So I would love if you could just give a little context to your own like personal story. And then I want to talk about dating for like the single people or, and also I want to touch on you know, like when you're the person that's married and like then you are people are married and you're the single person and they're like mm-hmm. giving you all this advice or trying to set you up with people all the time. Like I want to talk about that too. So totally. how did you, how was your experience like from a personal perspective being single doing this work? And then how did you find your significant other? Totally. Yeah. And so I love sharing my personal story because I feel like many people, um, especially if they're giving dating advice or relationship advice, sometimes like have you know met their high school sweetheart or yeah, it yeah. seems like you guys been together a long time. It's yeah. hard to really know what modern dating's like, and it's yeah, no one's fault, but it's like this is totally new world in yeah. dating. So I know when I was dating and getting advice from well-meaning friends or family or whoever, I'm like, you guys have no idea what it's oh. like out there. Christy, so- I have no idea. The apps were even, we met when we were 19 in college and I was like dancing on a table, drinking Burnett's vodka, chasing it with Arbor Mist wine. That's like how we met. So like the apps didn't even exist then. So now when like my girlfriends that are single, I'm like, I can help swipe for you. Like I have no idea. So like, please help all of us. And also if you're listening into this and you're not single, you need to hear what she's going to say because you do not want to be the girl that's constantly like telling your single friends like stuff that's really annoying to them. So go ahead. Yeah. So in a lot, a huge part of my journey, I think was influenced by my relationships uh, with my family, culturally, my relationship with my culture and my faith, my background as a Christian. Um, We hear a lot of messages, whatever culture or background you're from about relationships and dating, like what they really mean. So I was getting some messages of like, you know, just wait and, you know, God's timing, like the right person will just 
just like show up. You don't have to do anything. And that was so different for me, my personality as just like an ambitious person, like a go-getter. I was like, okay, I guess I should just wait for this. But like every other area of my life, I'm like, you know, doing all the things and climbing the ladder or whatever. So it felt so counterintuitive to me to do that. But then I was just kind of like, okay, I assume this is what everybody did. And it just happened when I wasn't looking and all that. Um, And then I would receive a lot of messages, especially culturally, you know, when I was still single in my mid twenties, had the opportunity to get my doctorate. I'd already had my master's. I had so many cultural messages, like from my background, like, don't be too educated or successful because now yeah. you're going to be like scared of that and it's going to be like a negative. I'm like, okay, well, I did it anyways. And I'm, <laughs> I'm happy I did just a word to the wise, but I feel like there's so many, so much noise, speaking of noise that we can kind of hear from well-meaning people that actually just cloud our own process and doing mm-hmm. things our own way. So when I downloaded dating app for the first time, the night before I started eHarmony, I was like, I should probably figure out what this is like. I kind of experienced this parallel process of like uh, wanting that you know, traditional love story, but kind of having to navigate a lot of modern dating, kind of this like hookup culture that I didn't really, didn't really align with me. Like I wanted a very like end game type of person. I don't want to waste my time, all that. So I kind of decided to go about it a different way. And I focused on quality instead of quantity. So I wasn't someone personally. And then now I tell my clients this, I wasn't just like dating everyone. Oh, let, let me just get experience. I was really like, you know what? going to date people I'm really excited about. Like I'm only going to say yes to potential people that like light me up. I'm like, this could be, you know, my future husband. So I teach that in life and business now of like, you know, that whole saying, like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And I think along the way I, it helped me not be jaded and bitter about dating or like the people out there because I was really holding my standard high and using my time and energy in other areas, other things I enjoyed instead of just feeling like, oh, if I go on enough dates, then I will meet the right person. I really focused on quality. Um, so that led me to not go on as many dates, but still learn and be active in the dating process. And then I ended up matching with my husband on Bumble, but we actually had met when we were kids. So I learned this later on that wow. our families knew each other and <laughs> um, and all these like crazy invisible strings. But I always share that because I feel like if I wasn't on the dating app, I mean, we could have met a million times, but if I didn't connect with him through that, like we would have never met each other. And so I think it's so important to use whatever tools there are. And a lot of people have get caught up in like the story or, oh, there's, you know, weirdos online and sure there are, but there are not online too. And so I, I um, always say like, you just have to kind of be open to all the opportunities to meet. Uh, the right person and and then use those tools to hopefully find someone that aligns with what you're looking for. I hope you're loving this conversation. I just wanted to let you know something really cool. If you happen to be a podcaster who loves podcasting, but also wants to take the podcast community that you're building around your show and create your own products, programs, services, offers, like monetize your podcast and do it in a really fun and fulfilling way. I've got something really exciting that's coming soon for you. But in the meantime, I wanted to do a totally free webinar for all of you that are podcasters. I know there are so many podcasters that listen into the show. So if you're interested in this free webinar, that's going to have so many juicy ways for you to monetize and just really take your show to the next level in a really aligned way. 
all you have to do is text pod webinar. So P O D webinar to 512-548-2728. Again, text pod webinar to 512-548-2728. And you're going to get all of the details about this totally free fun webinar where I'm also going to be announcing something really cool that you're going to be excited about. And then of course, if you have other girlfriends that are podcasters too, make sure that they text in pod webinar to 512-548-2728 to get all the deets. All right, without further ado, let's jump back into today's juicy conversation with Dr. Christie. Yeah. It's I love like I hate that there's a stigma. It's just the world has changed mm-hmm. so much. So it's mm-hmm. like to your point, I love the way that you said that of like use the tools that are available to you mm-hmm. instead of like having your mindset and like this is how it's gonna be. Because if you really look back like in any aspect of our lives, like we have sometimes these you know, ex- expectations of how something's going to turn out. But the things that are some of the best things in our entire life mm-hmm. happened in the most random way that you like couldn't yeah. have even predicted it mm-hmm. or like created a game plan to make it happen. Yeah. So, okay. So when you're talking with women that are just like, they come to you and it's like, I am so done with dating. Mm-hmm. I hate this. Like, I feel like I'm never going to find my person. Like there's someone, there's a lot of women listening in that are going to feel like that right now. So where do they start? What do they do? Like, how do they get out of this like feeling that can feel so overwhelming? Cause like, especially as you get older and it's like the pressure from society and then you're going to a holiday single again. And then people are like, your ovaries are getting old. If you want to have kids, like there's so much freaking pressure. So how do we navigate that? And all that noise. Yeah, it's so tough. And I always want to start there because when I work with women and men that come to me and feel that like disillusionment, I just want to normalize it. Like people will say, oh, you know, your standards are too high or your standards are too low or like whatever other reason. And the the challenge is that, you know, you're making a huge decision. Um, You know, one of my favorite quotes that I always share, you know, with people that are care about their career or business. Um, Warren Buffett said once that the most important decision you make is the person you marry in business. Like that is your number one business decision, which is like, just shows you how important this decision is and how it's difficult to get through the journey to make that decision. And so I just want to kind of like normalize it and recognize that people feel a lot of shame socially and otherwise. And I want to remove that because I think when people feel ashamed or desperate, they make bad decisions. So you really want to be in a place of like my timeline's different from others and that's okay. I'm looking for my person and my relationship, not maybe what other people did or the choices they made, you know, no judgment there. Um, The second thing I recommend is getting really clear on what's really important to you and the why. A lot of people will kind of have their list. Okay, they need to have this job or have this education or be this tall, whatever, Getting clear on the why can help you clarify, you know, is this my criteria or did someone else, my family, the society, you know, the romantic comedy I watch tell me that this is important. And the other piece of that you want to look into is what do I think this quality or character trait or whatever I'm looking for in the person will give me in a relationship? So sometimes people will say, okay, I need to marry someone who has, you know, an advanced degree because I think that's going to give me security and intellectual chemistry where the reality is you could probably find that without someone that's advanced degree. So you have to be get very clear and be very honest with yourself. That's a, a key kind of step that I think people miss because it's easy to blame the apps or the dating pool or whatever yeah. because they're, it, it's a real struggle. But when you're honest with yourself, you can see ways that you could potentially be getting in your own way too. Mm-hmm. 
I love that in every aspect. Like even if you're not single and you're hearing this, it's like, why does it actually matter? Because how often do we like adopt this belief that we got from somebody else or some criteria? Like he has to be X amount of like height. It's like, what? Where did that even come from? Right. Or like he has to believe this, like even like, I mean, obviously baby Keisha, like back in the day, like thinking like, oh, he has to be the first on the dance floor. Like me, like super extroverted. It's like, wait, if you actually think like, why would I want that? Like, where did, did I get that from a romantic comedy? It's like, yeah, I probably did. Oh, it's yeah. so funny, right? Like you're socialized. Like we don't even notice like the programming. And, and from that, like, do you have women that you're working with just because so many women listen to this podcast. I know you work with men too, but like, do you have women that come to you that are in a relationship or are single? Actually, maybe we could give an example for both of like an expectation that they have that like you can help them kind of unpack, like, where did that even come from? Like common expectations that like they realize, wait, this actually isn't that important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the biggest um, expectations that I hear from single successful women is that they need to make more money than me. And um, I know where this comes from and it's a valid desire. But what I always question is, what what's the why behind that? So usually the why yeah. is like so that they don't feel threatened or so that they feel they don't get resentful of my success or whatever yeah. that is. But when we dig deeper, the reasons for that feeling threatened or intimidated or not wanting me to be successful are actually ha- have very little to do with how much money that person makes. Some of the most insecure men I've worked with, you know, nine figure <laughs> men that are so insecure that has nothing to do with how much money they make. So what I recommend as a general rule of thumb is to find someone who feels good about what they're doing in the world and feels like they are kind of at a level where they feel as competent as whatever you're doing and you feel competent in. Because it's really the feeling around the money. If you are very secure financially, you you don't necessarily need someone else to also be at that same level. You just need them to feel good about what they're doing and be at a level where they feel like that they're thriving as well. That is such fire advice (laughs) because it's – it it really is like that is such a common thing that you hear people say and yeah. it's and it's interesting because now the world that we live in like we were even talking about at the beginning is like there are women that you know like i've earned more income than my husband mm-hmm. who was a dentist so when mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur yeah. but for whatever reason like he was totally fine with that right and it didn't make <laughs> me think anything mm-hmm. other than like that's awesome we're supporting each other we're on the same team All but right. when you do have that dialogue that like if we actually stop for a second we're like where does this actually come from mm-hmm. what am i actually craving like it's almost like you're you're telling people to kind of like slow down rather than because i can imagine that a lot of people come at this frantic state of like mm-hmm. i can't figure this out i need to find my person i'm getting older i'm ah, insert whatever but it's like hold on slow down let's think mm-hmm. about like who is the person that's actually aligned for you or even on the flip side for people that are in relationships, it's like it can feel like they come to you, I, I can imagine, where they're at a place where it's like, I need to fix this right now because mm-hmm. it's been bubbling up. They're like a you know, a pot of water on the stove. It's like bubbling up, bubbling up, and like the <laughs> lid is about to pop off. So so what are you noticing are like the biggest patterns for people that like are going down the path where like you can tell that if they continue down this path, it could result in divorce, for example, Mm -hmm. like that you can catch. Cause I'm sure you get those people that are like, not at the point that they're like, this is done, but also (laughs) at the point of like, I want to fix this. And where do they go from there to improve their relationship? If they feel like it's kind of declining, like maybe a season Mm -hmm. change, right? New mom life, new career, new environment, like just the dynamics are shifting. 
Yeah. So the thing that I notice often for people in that relationship dynamic, and especially if you're an entrepreneur, founder, um, the divorce rate is actually double for people that are entrepreneurs. And especially if someone's not in that same dynamic with you, it can create new challenges. And the reason for this is I feel that oftentimes when someone is an entrepreneur, they're growing in exponential ways. And potentially someone who's more of that like content, satisfied, like we talked about, is not experiencing that growth. So it seems like that evolution isn't happening at the same pace. And so what I really recommend doing is noticing first internally what work you can do to improve the relationship. When people are kind of in that struggle, they're very used to pointing the finger. My husband won't do the work. He doesn't want to go to therapy. He's not, you know, evolving. He's not keeping up with me. We're all other focused and relationships are about a dance. It's a dynamic. So if he's doing one movement and you keep having the same reaction to that movement, you're going to be in the same dance. But if you just do something different, the whole dance changes and that forces him to do something different. And then we could be in a more positive direction um, as we're dancing. So I think what you have to focus on is turning that, you know, pointing that finger inward and saying, what can I do different the next time? Maybe he is doing the wrong thing. Maybe your partner is doing something that isn't healthy or whatever, has an unhealthy reaction to you. How can you respond differently? Maybe you always feel like you have to defend yourself. Maybe one time it's just be like, hey, I think I'm going to go for a walk. All of a sudden, it's a different dance and that changes it. So if you feel like you're in that stuck place with your partner, I want you to turn that mirror towards yourself and say, what could I do differently? I do differently, not what he can do differently or he needs to come to therapy or whatever. And just notice how that could change everything. Oh God. It's just like, it's so much easier to point the finger at other people (laughs) than to look at the background, point it at yourself and say, what can I own? But -hmm. also the thing that's really beautiful about that, that I love that you're just even like sharing is if you can take on the weight a little bit of saying like, I'm, I'm going to take full responsibility that I'm the problem here. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. if I'm the problem, then I could be the solution. Right. And that like the ownership of it, like just actually can feel really powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I, I absolutely love that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as far as like, when you're in a relationship and you are seeing a dynamic shift, like a specific example actually that I really want to talk about that can resonate with this community is like the mom shift, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, for example, to give context, like, you know, being an entrepreneur and then becoming a new mom and then realizing and then trying to build my business like I did before Mm -hmm. I was a mom, thinking I would just do it with like a little sidekick. And then that's totally different, right? (laughs) Um, When you see people that are in those types of dynamic shifts, whether it's motherhood or different like stages of life in your career, or maybe like having to focus more energy on something, like when those dynamic shifts change, like how have you noticed like healthy relationships, like communicate well during those Mm -hmm. challenges? Because I have a lot of women that are like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I was working in the corporate world and now I just have this baby and now this is, I don't want to do this anymore. But the person that I was when I got married was this person and Mm. that like, it's just a lot sometimes Mm. like what's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I've just been living through this because my son just turned one and it is quite a evolution. I will say, I really believe that what we have to do when we're in that transition is basically treat your relationship like your other baby. Like (laughs) I only have one baby now, but I'm like, okay, 
that my second kid is my, my relationship. And what does yeah. it need to thrive? Usually it's that environment that we talk about, like, okay, when the flower dies, we don't blame the flower, right? We blame the environment. So it's like, what environment am I creating to help this relationship grow and bloom and not die? And what really needs to be communicated what are ways that I need to make sure we're connecting and do my part to connect? Um, and yeah. I think a huge part of it is that identity shift. It's like who you were before you have a kid or before some big life change happens is so different than who you are now. And same with your spouse or partner. Like they are a totally different person. Yeah. So part of that is um, I actually recommend this exercise to many moms I work with is like writing a letter to your like pre-mom self and like what would you tell her from the future? Like, what are the aspects of her that you miss? Like, what are things like you hope she rediscovers again? And like really reconnecting with that identity and doing that also with your like relationship. Like, what are things you miss? What are connections that you want to do? And what are some like new traditions you want to create or ways that you can kind of grow now all together? Because I think what happens is you have the business, the baby, the, everything, and there's no energy to put into the relationship. And maybe that's okay for a season, but what you have to do is recognize what I can give and make sure that it's going into the right place. Because ultimately, the best parenting advice I could give is your child is going to thrive when your relationship thrives. That's the number one parenting advice. If you have a healthy, good relationship with your partner, then your kid's going to be healthy. So I know in mom, and I'm guilty of this too, we get so caught up in like, okay, what am I going to feed my baby and this breastfeeding and this sleep training and all of this stuff? So important. But we, creating that environment of safety, security, love for your child is the number one thing you could do for them and for your spouse. That was something that, you know, in our relationship as like so many changes, we're both working, both entrepreneurs, both own our own businesses. And so many times I'm like, I don't, oh, I don't have time. I don't have energy. And when you think of it, like I'm doing this for our relationship and for my son and our future, like this is, these are the date nights or little things are like, I don't have time for that. I'd rather do this. Like putting that investment in is something your kid's going to cash out on in years to come. <laughs> Oh, it's so good because it's funny. One of the things like before having our son Brody that my husband Cena and I talked about was like, we want to raise him to be very emotionally regulated and to also see an example that neither one of us saw. Like we didn't grow up with either one of our parents, you know, both of our parents are divorced and we're like, we want to focus on our marriage first before our kid. And it's, and there's a, there's a season, like he's 11 weeks old, you know, at the time that we're recording this. So it's like, he definitely needs like full time like, <laughs> support and care. Right. Um, so like things look different in terms of how we can show up and like what we can do just the two of us. But it's like having that actual focus, like it's easy to say that, but I think it's almost like there's this social pressure sometimes to like, say like my baby or my child mm -hmm. is my everything is my whole world is my identity. Like I'm a mom now or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's like, to your point, they're modeling the example. And I think like you know, some people are afraid to talk about that, to even like say mm -hmm. my relationship matters more. Like, do you, do you run into people feeling guilty that they care about their marriage more than like, not more than their kid, but you know what I mean? I'll, yeah. More than their kid to a certain degree. Yeah. Does that come up for people? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll say that I think a big reason for this is just the cultural and societal shift from like the village mentality to raising a kid versus like, okay, now it's just you two and all the energy and load and everything. It's This is the pressure for you to be a good mom if your kid suffers in any way or is not successful, whatever, it's all on you instead of kind of the village of taking that responsibility of like, we're all helping grow our community, our children. And so I think that's just creates so much pressure on the family, but also on the on relationships. Cause we're like, we're yeah. the t- only two people here that can help each other and raise this kid. And that puts so much pressure, energy, blame. It's just like, on the two. So as much as possible, I recommend people try to create their own village essentially and get mm-hmm. that support because the pressure we put on our relationships, our marriages, and even our kids to have that be successful is so detrimental. And I don't even think we're seeing all the effects of that yet, you know, yeah. fortunately or unfortunately. Yeah, that's so true. Okay, a question to, and then we'll we'll wrap this up because I want everybody to be able to know how to connect with you too. So, if you do, you have any go to books that you feel like could be really helpful for someone that's wanting to grow in their relationship, and then also go to book or resource for people that are single. Of course, you are a resource, which is absolutely <laughs> incredible. But as far as like if they are interested in diving more into this. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship, I love the book Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. It's a really amazing book about kind of turning inwards towards each other and kind of reigniting that connection and passion. I highly recommend it. There's an opportunity to do it as like a workbook sort of thing. Um, It's an amazing book. Highly recommend that for relationships. And if you're single, I love the book um, Finding the Love of Your Life by Dr. Neil Clark Warren. He's the founder founder of eHarmony. It's a great kind of like overarching um, view of like, okay, what should I really be looking for in this partner? And also very step-by-step around assessing compatibility, very specific things around like your own financial background, how important that is, you know, how you grew up, very different, like nuanced things that are research back that not a lot of people talk about. Um, but that is a really good book too. I, I mean, I knew I had to ask you this because obviously this is your field, but if for people that are watching this on YouTube, it's like you have an amazing bookshelf behind you. I was like, oh, girl, that's a book, Rex. That's for sure. So I love this. Okay. I could literally talk to you for 800 hours for real because I love geeking out about this topic in general, but to respect people's time, let them know where they can connect with you and also like anything cool that you have going on that you're excited about. Like give us, give us the rundown there. Yeah. So you can go to my website, therapyfordating.com. We have a lot of resources there, but um, if you're single, we have our quiz on discovering which dating app is right for you. And I have a training masterclass I give around um, how 82% of our clients have found love within six months. So if you're like one of those people, it's like, I want to get married ASAP. Uh, that's Amazing. the training for you. Um, so you can check that on my website. And then um, for couples, we have individual resources. So we have coaching and therapy services. If you are a couple or even an individual that wants to do couples therapy or coaching, a lot of people think I can't do it unless my partner's coming, but actually you can do it alone. (laughs) Uh, But we will just focus on your relationship. And we also provide matchmaking. So if it's kind of you're at a space where I really want to find the right person, but I just don't have time. I need to outsource this to the professionals so they can kind of do that work for me or I'm feeling jaded and I don't want 
want to get out there, then that could be a good uh, service for you too. So that's all on my website, or you can go to Instagram. It's kind of where I hang out the most or TikTok, the date Dr. Christy. I absolutely am obsessed with you. I know everyone that listens to the show is going to be too. So definitely go follow Christy on Instagram. If this episode was helpful for you, as always, feel free to tag us, share it with a girlfriend that you think could use it. And thank you again so much. I'm so glad that we're connected. I just can't wait to see how everything evolves and all the people that get connected with you. And I just want to hear about like the marriages and like the babies (laughs) and all the stuff that comes with this. So thank you. Yes. Thanks so much, Keisha. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.